Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you on a somewhat rare Victory Tuesday in the 2021 season here on Patriots Nation. But week seven is in the books. I'm here breaking it all down with you and my good buddy, Rich Hill. Rich, I know it's the Jets, and I know the Jets, S-T-I-N-K, stink, but 54 <laughs> points, 54 <laughs> points any way you slice it, and I'm pretty happy with this win. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you, you pointed this out before the podcast started rolling, is that the Patriots scored on all but one of their drives. That is exactly what you would want to see from any Patriots team in any week, uh, even if against the Jets. You know, I, I think there's there's nobody that gets out of the bed more for the Jets than Bill Belichick. Uh, and so he had himself a game. He set the team up for success. But before we dive fully into this game, Alec, I think there's a few key moments that happened around the league this week. First off, with none other than Tommy B., Tom Brady with Tampa Bay beating the Bears 38 to three and Brady throwing his 600th career touchdown pass. Uh, he's lapping everyone in the entire league annals. I believe he has like twice more than twice as many touchdown passes than Joe Montana. How do you feel about Tom Brady hitting 600? Well, the first thing I say is whoever the poor schmuck is that had the ball and had all the leverage did not nearly negotiate well enough for giving it back. So bad job <laughs> to that guy. Um, Secondly, look, I mean, it's just at this point, it's it's like what I always ask myself, like, what more can Tom Brady do to further cement his legacy or distance himself from the pack? And I didn't know he was even close to 600. That's just a remarkable number. And, yeah, he's lapped the field at this point. And other than, like, the six people who are still determined to die on a Tom Brady's overrated or lucky or a system quarterback hill, whatever their their argument is, uh, I think we're all just kind of sitting back and appreciating what he's doing right now. He's legit in the MVP conversation. He leads the league in touchdowns. Granted, the Buccaneers are a ridiculous team in terms of their offensive power, but, I mean, 600, 600 touchdowns anyway, slice it. And I wish it had happened here in New England, but... You just got to smile and be be happy for Tom Brady. He's really enjoying himself now. So so hats off, buddy. Oh, totally. And I mean, like, I honestly think that within the Patriots offense right now, we'd be putting up 50 points every single week uh, with the way that certain players have been emerging. I think he would love Kendrick Bourne. I think that he would love having Hunter Henry out there. Uh, so, I, I mean, 
obviously last season he would have been just miserable in New England not having a chance to compete uh, and now he has just all pros all around in that offense but that was huge 600 congratulations to Tom Brady uh, but that wasn't the only notable thing that happened this week because I feel like there's been a little bit of a changing of the guard uh, when you look around the teams this week uh, the Cardinals uh, are the last remaining undefeated team they dispatched the Houston Texans which in and of itself is not notable but the Cardinals are uh, one of the best offenses in the entire league. You saw the Cincinnati Bengals totally destroy the Baltimore Ravens, 41-17. to Joe Burrow has that Bengals team just completely on top of the AFC. And then one last game, Alec, the Tennessee Titans absolutely demolishing the Kansas City Chiefs, 27-3. to The Chiefs have looked terrible this year. Their defense is the worst in the entire league. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes is making just terrible mistakes over and over again. I know that he's had some bad interception and turnover luck, um, but he, I believe, leads the league in interceptions at this current point in time. Alec, what is going on uh, with all of these new faces kind of taking down the teams like the Chiefs and the Ravens that we thought would be the best ones in the league? Yeah, it's so weird, man. I mean, I, I no one saw the Titans as being a bottom feeder by any means, but they're up there. They're probably the best team in the AFC right now. I think the Bills are still the best team in the conference overall, but as of right now, week seven going into week eight, I'm taking the Titans all day. And I don't want to sit here and say that people have, have figured out Patrick Mahomes because uh, I don't think he's really figure outable because he's just that talented and that accurate. But it's just one of those things. Maybe the Super Bowl hangover is real. He's he's just not as accurate, and he's kind of making dumb decisions. He's kind of just throwing it up there. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be sit here and be like, Tom Brady killed yet another budding dynasty with the Chiefs and the Seahawks, but that's kind of what he does. Uh, I like it, though. It's kind of fun. I mean, for the past 20 years, more or less, it's been the Patriots, it's been the Ravens, it's been the Steelers, the Colts, and then the Broncos when Peyton Manning was there. Those were kind of your, your only AFC teams you saw making a run. But right now, none of the teams I just mentioned now are, like, really in the conversation. So it's kind of cool to have the Bengals and the Titans and the Cardinals kind of up there in the in the, in the the conference and in the NFL. So while the Patriots are still kind of in there, they're rebuild and looking to make a serious splash maybe next year and maybe end the season strong, I'm here for it and I'm enjoying it. Oh, totally. Me too. I, I feel like there's been uh, just more parity than at any other point in the past couple of decades in the AFC. You know, they, there was uh, it was a very top-heavy league slash conference last year with like just or maybe the past two years with just the Ravens and the Chiefs just just beating everybody. Um, but I, I love the idea that as we head into the final stretch of the season, I have no idea who's going to make the playoffs. If it ended right now, the Patriots and the Chiefs would be on the outside looking in. And when you look at the teams that are currently holding down playoff spots like the Browns, I don't see uh, them being like notably worse. You know, like if you go back a couple weeks and the Broncos were one of the playoff teams, and it's like, okay, that's just not sustainable. They're not a good team. Uh, but right now, I, I would say that looking around the AFC, it's about 10 teams deep of, of play teams that I think could make the postseason and beat a team. Like, I, I don't think that there, if you look over at the NFC, there's that same sort of parity. You have the, the Cardinals, Bucks, uh, Packers, Cowboys, and Rams that I think could all potentially win the the conference but like none of the teams on the outside i don't see the falcons making the playoffs they're on the outside right now i don't see the falcons making the playoffs and knocking off one of those teams whereas i think with the Patri uh with the afc if the patriots uh if the chiefs somehow make it you know they're currently on the outside if they make the playoffs 
could they beat the Raiders? Could they beat the Bengals? The teams that are one and two in the AFC at this point in time? Absolutely, I think they could. Uh, and I think that just is uh, setting up the stage for a more interesting final stretch of the year. And honestly, it will just be more exciting for the postseason where now that only one team gets a bye week, it's going to be even more important for them. Um, but also kind of the imbalance that everyone was thinking, you know, how, how much of an advantage home field advantage is in the postseason, uh, where it's just like an absurd advantage. I believe that without a truly just beats everyone in the entire league kind of team that, uh, you know, it'll just make it a little bit more exciting and not predestined. Well, I'll tell you what is predestined, Rich Hill. The New York Jets being a bad team. They are just <laughs> never going to be good for the rest of time. I've decided that. I don't know what exactly happened in that franchise. Who pissed off who? But the Jets are just never going to be good. And it was evident yet again on Sunday. Gillette Stadium, Mac Jones got his first home win. And boy, did he ever. This game was never close. Patriots drove right down the field. Kendrick Bourne to Aguilar, that legendary receiver-to-receiver connection, opened up the scoring. And as you mentioned, Nine of the ten drives, not counting a kneel down to end it, ended in points. And where do you start, Rich, in a game like this where it's just 54-3 to and it's a complete blowout? Because, yes, it's great. Points are put on the board. Defense looked good. Offense looked good. But it's also the Jets. You want to temper expectations a little bit. But as I mentioned when we started this podcast, I don't care how bad a team is. Putting up 54 points on the board means you did a lot of things right. Totally. Absolutely. And I, I think where I go is something that Bill Belichick said, I want to say back in 2010, whenever Suck for Luck was taking place. It might have been 2011. I think he was in that draft. So in 2010, <coughs> when the Patriots were playing the Colts without Peyton Manning and Manning, uh, you know, everyone's like, the, the Colts, they're just a terrible team. Like, you beat them. What does that mean? And Belichick was like, you don't think we can learn how good our tackles are by going against Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis? Get out of here. And I, I think the same thing applies where, okay, this is a terrible Jets team, but there are some talented players. I think Corey Davis, uh, uh, James Crowder, I think they're like really good receivers out there. And I, I think that the way that the Patriots defense handled them was fantastic. But where I want to start, Alec, is where the Patriots have been maligned over the past few weeks, like deservedly so. Um, and starting off with the offensive line, because the offensive line has been absolutely abysmal uh, at times this year. And they did a great job. They did an absolutely great job against this Jets team. Uh, so tip of the cap to all of those players. Um, but where, where I want to acknowledge kind of like the growth from this Patriots team uh, is the lineup. Because, because, because the Patriots made the decision to put Michael and Wayne at right tackle. It's been long overdue. <laughs> it's been a thing everyone's been asking for, but it obviously gives the Patriots the best starting line that they could have so long as Trent Brown remains unavailable and unable to play. And having the Justin Heron slash Durant rotation at tackle should hopefully be in the rear view because Karras at left guard and Onwenu at right tackle is an infinitely better combination and it showed it absolutely showed this is a Jets team that had one sack this game they did not have many hits they did not generate a lot of pressure and this is what we saw as the result Patriots put up 54 points and, and Alec I, I think that this is the offensive line they should honestly play moving forward so to that point, Rich Hill, when Trent Brown does come back, do you say put him back at left tackle where he was when his first day with the Patriots moved, uh, went over to guard where he has played in college? Because Wynn has struggled a bit 
at that tackle position. He's been fine, but not a first-round pick fine level. So maybe keep a Wendu at right tackle, move Trent Brown to left tackle, and then move Wendu over to guard, Karras to the bench. Is that what you're, you're planning to be when Brown comes back? I mean, honestly, I think it should be open season on that left side of the line, but I know that Onwenu needs to stay at right tackle. He is an all-pro caliber player at right tackle, and he is like a very good interior guard, but the the drop-off from Onwenu to Karras at left guard is much smaller than Onwenu to whoever will be playing backup tackle at right spot. So, I mean, I, I think that Onwenu needs to stay there. And where Win can play, honestly, I don't see the Patriots shifting. You know, I'd say that they'd be like, all right, well, let's leave Win at left tackle and Karras can be left guard and just move forward that way, have some consistency finally this season uh, and not force it. That said, I do think that Brown and Wynn should have uh, you know, full competition at that left tackle spot. A, because I think Wynn has missed too much time for anyone to believe that he can be fully accountable and available at that position. Uh, and so if Brown is the better player, go with him. Uh, because he, w- at, when he was playing left tackle for the Patriots, he was better than at any point Wynn has been at left tackle for New England. And so he could have more upside on that spot. But to your point... I think Wynn should also compete with Karras at that left guard spot. I think Karras has more ability at this point, but he gives you a player with a high floor. And so if Wynn absolutely can't make it on the interior line, then you're still going to be fine. But I do think that Wynn has a lot of potential at that left guard spot. Maybe they can bring Trent Brown as an extra tight end in those jumbo packages. You're not going to get around that guy. if he's a, You can get him some Nate Solder style, maybe one grab a year for a touchdown. That would be sweet. He's just such a big guy. They have to incorporate him in some capacity. They traded for him with the intent of using him, so maybe he'll be that that extra tight end or one of those guys will. Speaking of tight ends, Rich, another complaint that Patriots fans had the first six weeks of the season was, what the hell are they doing with Jonu Smith? They paid a lot of money for him. He was their first kind of big free agent acquisition this year. He hasn't really been doing much. Why aren't they running him on screens? Why isn't he getting the ball out of the backfield? Maybe some some mismatch routes, some some move routes. And we saw all of that until he left with a, a shoulder injury, which hopefully isn't too serious. He was exactly what we thought he'd be. He was a game-changing tight end, and we got exactly what we wanted out of him, which is exactly what I wanted to see. So, yes, Owenu to tackle. Check that one off. And then Johnny Smith got involved. So check that one off, too. Very good for the tight ends on National Tight End Day. No oh, yes. <laughs> Totally. And I mean, like, I, he has been doing a great job uh, when he's been given those opportunities. He just lost those opportunities at the beginning. Um, and, and honestly, I think Hunter Henry has been just reliable. He's out there. Um, and I, I think that if, fingers crossed, Smith is able to play, the Patriots will then just have a very balanced offensive set. You know, I think with both Henry and Smith as able blockers and receivers, you get a lot of versatility out there. And then with Bourne and Myers as both very good wide receivers that can play inside and outside, as well as Aguilar, who can be a solid, you know, possession slash deep threat. Uh, Nikhil Harry is getting a little bit more play out there. He's been eating away at Nelson Aguilar's snaps, so that's interesting to see kind of develop as Harry being the primary blocking wide receiver in the red zone. Uh, they're just obviously setting up a, a red zone target for Harry on like a leak route where he's just going to pretend to block for a, a running play and it's going to be a play action and Mac Jones going to throw it to a wide open Harry. That is inevitable. Um, but that said, I, I think that seeing Johnny Smith perform is exactly what the Patriots need from him. That's, as you said, getting their money's worth. Um, and, and I think that so long as you have elite players like Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, uh, Jacoby Myers, and uh, Brandon Bolden, just performing at the levels that they are, because Bolden, for some reason, uh, in the two-minute drill, <laughs> is 
better than Christian McCaffrey. I, it blows my mind how Bolden can somehow be just a very good receiving back. Don't get me wrong. He is limited in many other capacities. And I think that whenever he gets his targets, he makes the most out of them. And, and I, I think, you know, he's a very not good runner. Uh, we were talking about this before the podcast. He has a 24-yard run, uh, which good for him. That's great. But uh, across his other nine carries, he's only picked up four yards. So he, he is a very, very boomer bust running back as far as we're concerned. Um, but he's really good as a receiver in the two-minute drill. And I, I would love to see more of that hurry-up uh, kind of approach because he gives them a lot of ability to kind of put pressure on opposing defenses. Patriots fans have been clamoring for more Brandon Bolden for weeks. Uh, no, we haven't. It's amazing how <laughs> we've been talking about how stop giving it to Brandon Bolden. And the good news is I don't think Brandon Bolden got any delayed draw looks or runs on third and short because he had two carries on Sunday for zero yards. And it wasn't even he had like one carry for four yards, and then he lost four yards even out to zero. Carry one went for exactly zero yards, and carry two went for exactly zero yards, which is remarkable, honestly, in my opinion. But, yeah, again, as a receiving back, he is the James White replacement until maybe J.J. Taylor becomes a little more comfortable. He is probably the best third down back in terms of pass protection, so that is important to keep in mind. And he had a big game. He was the leading receiver for the Patriots, both in uh, receptions, targets, and yards. And he had a touchdown out of it. So you really can't can't knock that too much. I just I still am going to stand by, go to my grave, saying if it's third and one, third and two, do not do a run with Brandon Bolden up the middle, especially <laughs> with the way Damian Harris ran yep. on Sunday. Obviously, that goes to your point about the offensive line being cohesive, and you can't really run well without a good line. But 106 yards, two touchdowns, almost eight-yard average of carry. Uh, Long was like a 32, 33-yarder. Uh, again, this is exactly the offense I wanted to see. Power run, utilizing the tight ends creatively, scheme-based attack, and receivers getting involved where they need to. Uh, I think this could be, if they can keep this up against a team with a more high-caliber defense, uh, this could be a very effective and very potent Patriots offense. Totally. I, I absolutely agree. I think we finally saw glimpses of what they're capable of. My big question, Alec, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Is this a product of them playing the Jets? <laughs> Do you think that this, like, did you see enough success from them that you felt or feel confident that they might be able to replicate at least some of these successes against a better team? Well, we're going to find out pretty quick. They're playing the Chargers this coming Sunday. And like I said, man, I feel like if this game was maybe like 20 to 13 or like 24 to 13, I'd be feeling a little less confident about saying this. But again, I don't care who you put on the field. These are all NFL caliber players, obviously, Jets or otherwise. And 54 points and scoring drives on nine out of your 10 possessions means something is going right and doing you're doing it well. And so I think it's a good confidence builder. I think it is a maybe a chance to experiment a little bit that all went really well. And I, I think the Patriots, I don't know if they've kind of found a solution. It's all kind of clicking, but it, it's at the point in the season where I feel like they kind of had the momentum they need and the ability they, 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 they possess to to make a run. I really do. I'm not saying they're going to make the Super Bowl this year. They're on the app. They're looking at the playoff picture. But uh, if they can just play that way, Matt Jones is not going to lose you the game, which is why I think they got more aggressive on like third and fourth and short now, which is also nice. Uh, another thing we've complaining about all season, just they're not really being aggressive. Uh, their one punt, I will say, was on fourth and four from their own 50. So maybe they can get more aggressive there. But I'm not going to begrudge them that. Uh, again, I, I think they have enough pieces in place. Uh, the concern, though, Rich, I think might be just on – the defensive side of the ball, not in terms of how they played, because, again, it's the Jets and it's 
Mike White, uh, who actually looked pretty decent in relief duty. Uh, it's more just all the injuries that are starting to rack up. I feel like 12 mm-hmm. different Patriots went down in some capacity. McCordy went out. Um, There's a bunch of guys banged up. And Winovich is out, obviously, on IR. And I was wondering how much depth they have, especially in that secondary position, because Jonathan Jones is now out for the season. Jalen Mills didn't look great as the outside corner. Probably one of the negatives of the day. He got beat a little bit. He was fine on the slot, but on the outside, he really got outmatched a little. So I just wonder how this Patriots defense, with all their injuries, is going to fare against more potent offenses. Totally. I I agree. And I I would say uh, one player who stood out to me while they were on defense that I would love to see him be able to replicate this moving forward uh, is Juwan Williams. Juwan Williams yeah. played 34 snaps, about half of them. He was the fourth cornerback out there. Mills, Bryant, and Jackson were ahead of him, but the Patriots, you know, they had a big lead, so they had a lot of receivers or, you know, a lot of defensive backs out there to defend the pass, uh, and so they were ready for it. And he was great. I think he was targeted five times, allowed only one reception. Um, I, I believe that he had a, a couple breakups. I, I think that uh, he had three maybe. Uh, but he did a great job out there, and he showed why the Patriots took him in the second round, albeit against a very weak offense of, of the New York Jets. But as you said, with Jonathan Jones out for the year, uh, with Stephon Gilmore no longer in the building, with Devin McCourty suffering an injury, so perhaps the Patriots are going to have to shuffle around a little bit. Uh, I believe that, honestly, some of the things that the Patriots had been thinking of uh, when they signed Jalen Mills was potentially to have him be a long-term solution uh, just as an overall defensive back. So I'd be curious to see how the Patriots shuffle a little bit to account for a McCourty injury uh, and what they'll do there moving forward. Um, But I I think if Juwan Williams is able to build off of this game, which was easily the best of his entire career, if he's able to build off of that, then the Patriots might be fine. I I think that uh, a trio right now at this point of J.C. Jackson, uh, Juwan Williams at that level, and Jalen Mills being able to go back into the slot would be very competitive. Uh, and, and I think that that would allow them, you know, with uh, Juwan Williams' length on the outside to match up against the Corey Davises and the big receivers of the world. J.C. Jackson can match up well against the speedsters in the way that Jonathan Jones historically has. Uh, but J.C. Jackson can be that deep ball guy uh, and take advantage of those. And then Jalen Mills can be that inside-outside player, kind of in that Logan Ryan mold. So... Jawan Williams kind of is my key for the secondary moving forward. If he's unable to like replicate this effort and the Patriots continue to suffer injuries on the backfield, they're in for a very long season and uh, they have a pretty difficult stretch of opposing quarterbacks on their way. And so they, they really can't afford to be weak in the secondary. Along those lines, Rich, kind of deviate a bit from the Pat Jets coverage. You know, the trade deadline is approaching. It's coming up next week. And one of the names being floated around in terms of potential trade target for the Patriots is the other McCourty, Jason McCourty, yep. who seems to be on the out for looking in in Miami. He's very cap-friendly contract right now. See the pass making a move bring him back into the fold? I would love that. I would be surprised to see an intra-division trade. Um, but I could see it. I mean, there's no bad blood between the Dolphins and the Patriots here. And McCourty would absolutely fit a need. You know, he, he has been one of the, the top snap players in the Patriots secondary over the past couple of years. He would fit in nicely. Uh, you know what you'd be getting with him. I would love to see that conditional like sixth or seventh or something like that. I don't see the Patriots opposing that sort of a move. Um, but my wonder is, do the Patriots and Bill Belichick in this year do they think it's worth bringing in a veteran to take snaps away from a younger player? Like, are they in a position right now to say, we're going to take snaps away from Miles Bryant and Jawan William and hand it to a 34-year-old veteran? Like, is that 
the best move for the team? Like, will he be giving them marginally better play versus the potential growth that might benefit these players? And in my book, kind of what Bill Belichick has historically done is rely on those youth players and hope that they're able to step up. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but I have, a, I would be very surprised to see the Patriots being major buyers at the the trade deadline this year. No, I agree with that. Again, I like Jason McCourty. I'm grateful for his time here, but I'd much rather see again. I again, I don't see this as a championship season. This isn't the season to you take trade away draft picks to shore up your whatever line and make a run for it. Um, I think this is a good time for the young guys to get experience. I mean, a lot does hinge on Joe John Williams and how well he can upkeep that play that I agree with you is his best game as a Patriot by far. Not that he had a whole huge sample size before that, but if you can kind of keep that, that play up, that'd be fantastic. Uh, two more young guys I want to highlight in the defensive side of the ball because they both had great games uh, as we close the podcast out and look forward to the, the Chargers next week. Christian Barmore on the defensive side of the line. Mm-hmm. Thought he had a great game, very disruptive. Uh, not The stat sheet doesn't really kind of tell the whole picture. He's a real space eater, really disruptive along the line. And continuing the upward trajectory, which I'm very excited about, is Kyle Duggar. I think he's really coming into his own this season. Great interception aside, just like his overall awareness, his coverage ability, his presence in the middle of the field, uh, I think if they can kind of get the Devin McCourty situation figured out in terms of his long-term replacement, I think they're very well positioned at that kind of three-safety, strong safety, in-the-box thumper guy that can actually cover tight ends, which is very refreshing to see. Oh, totally. I mean, I think Duggar has shown he is one of the great Patriots second-round defensive backs. Um, I think that he (laughs) definitely covered for Devin McCourty when McCourty left. I I think that the more we see from Duggar, the more like the more he improves every single time. I I love seeing him get his hands on the ball. I love how he performs in the box. I think that he is uh, one of those safeties that in my mind you know give him another year or two could remind a lot of people of harrison smith of of the vikings of a player who can cover who can defend the run who can cover tight ends who can cover running backs who can thump uh and and i think uh i'm trying to i'm blank drawing a blank there was a guy on the chargers who was like that as well um but I, i i think that uh you know, maybe a Rodney Harrison type, to be honest. I, I, I think that Duggar is, a, yeah. is an incredible athlete with still so much potential left to tap into. Uh, and so I, I love to see just how much he might be able to continue to develop. No, me too. Uh, again, this is a good, good, good win, good momentum builder. Lost a tough game coming up, road trip, going all the way to the West Coast to play the Los Angeles Chargers, coming off a bye. The Chargers are one of the better teams in the AFC. They have some very impressive wins on their resume. Obviously, we'll break that down a little more in our Thursday podcast. Kind of a sneak preview. Um, Any initial early thoughts about this past Chargers matchup coming up? It's going to be a tough one. Uh, Chargers are coming off of a bye week. They are a team that has beaten the the Chiefs, Raiders, and Browns, three teams currently in the AFC playoff picture. So Patriots will have their hands full. It's a team that is run by three main engines. They have Austin Eckler, who is a very, very good running back, uh, one of the best in the league. He is over 350 rushing yards and over 240 receiving yards, so he can do it all. Patriots definitely have to be careful about him. Uh, But then there's Mike Williams, who's a big receiving target outside, and then Keenan Allen, who is one of the best route runners in the entire league. So Patriots secondary will have their hands full. Austin Eckler can take over the game. So uh, their their fourth option is Jared Cook, who's a little bit of an older guy, but he can still do things on offense. Justin Herbert, one of the best young quarterbacks in the entire league. 
there's a lot to look out for uh, with this team. They have a very young and hungry defense. They've been playing well. They have a new head coach in Brandon Staley, who I think is one of the, the brightest young minds in the league. Uh, he's matriculated up from like the high school ranks within like five years or something ridiculous like that. But he's someone who is very analytics-driven. He is uh, someone that I think a lot of people would be looking at in a year or two as the, you know, the Sean McVay of the AFC. So Patriots will have their hands full. We'll definitely break more of this down on Thursday. But Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week seven of the NFL season? Not at all. Congratulations to Mac Jones on your first of hopefully very, very many home Patriots wins. (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy.